Hi there, this is Jeremy Quabus. I am the assistant conductor with the Fort Collins Symphony, and I wrote a blog post for the symphony called What Does a Conductor Do? Three Steps to Conducting an Orchestra. I'm going to be reading that blog post for you and adding a little bit of extra commentary. As a conductor myself, uh, I have a lot of opinions on <laughs> what a conductor actually does and a lot of interesting details. So strap in and get ready to learn, because here we go. What does a conductor do? Three steps to conducting an orchestra. Alrighty, you caught me. <laughs> I lied. You need to know a lot more than the three steps below before you're ready to conduct an orchestra. I've been working on conducting orchestras for quite a while. Um, unfortunately, the one blog post won't get you there, but it'll sure help you understand all the work that goes into a conductor and an orchestra putting together a symphony concert. Now, we conductors get asked what we do all the time, and it's a really hard question to ask because we have so many different jobs. And there are just so many different things that we do, both on and off the podium, and it's kind of hard to describe. And actually, the role of the conductor is always evolving. It's been changing for years. How we think of a conductor now, standing in front of the orchestra with a baton, conducting an orchestra didn't develop until the early 20th century, long after Mozart, Beethoven, and Bach had passed. And conductors today are doing jobs that conductors in the middle of the 20th century, like carry-on, would have no idea. They just didn't do these things. So, to break down all the things that a conductor does, and we're only going to talk about what the conductor does while they're on the podium with an orchestra, we're going to look at three different levels, starting at the simplest and moving to the more advanced. And this will help us understand, hopefully, what it is the conductor is actually doing up on the podium. Alrighty, I said that we have three steps. So here are the three steps or levels that a conductor works in. The conductor works as a time beater at the simplest level, like really simple. Then the conductor works as a teacher in the middle level. And finally, the conductor works as an artistic leader. So on the first level, as a time beater, the conductor basically just tells the musicians when to start and how fast to go. Very basic. Conducting is much more than that. But just to help you understand, we're going to start there. The second level, the teacher. That's where the conductor rehearses the musicians to make sure that all the music is working well. And then finally, the third level, the conductor gets to be the artistic leader. This is when the conductor makes decisions as a creative musician and leader. And that's where the conductor really gets to shine. That's where the best music happens. And you'll understand when we go through these three steps why that third step is my favorite and why it should be the favorite of every conductor. Now, conductors do all these jobs simultaneously in rehearsals and concerts, but they get more and more complex and important as we layer them together. So let's start with the basics. Level one, the time beater. The most basic thing that a conductor does is to show the orchestra when to start and how fast to go. While the conductor does show other things while conducting, like meter, dynamics, character, or articulation of the music, once an orchestra gets started, it can pretty much keep playing even if the conductor decides to walk off the stage. And side note, this is actually a really good way to rehearse an orchestra. A lot of conductors will actually start conducting and then walk away or go to the back of the hall and listen. I've seen conductors that I really enjoy that start conducting, get the orchestra going, and then move around the orchestra a little bit. It's actually really cool to see an orchestra play without a conductor because they totally can. 
Speaking of, the next paragraph starts like this. It's important to understand that an orchestra can play without a conductor. This is especially true for a professional orchestra, but even a middle or high school or college orchestra doesn't need a conductor, as long as the music isn't too difficult or complicated. Like we said, once the conductor sets the tempo, the orchestra can mostly continue on by themselves. Now, if there are changes in tempo, starts and stops in the music, or if the orchestra accidentally slows down or speeds up, the conductor will need to step in again to fix the tempo. And that brings us to the next level. Level two is the level of the teacher. And this is what most people think of as conductors when they go to a rehearsal and you see the conductor working with the orchestra. The Fort Collins Symphony, we do open rehearsals a lot of the time. So we allow audience members to come for free and watch Maestro Wes Kenny conduct the orchestra and work with the guest artist and rehearse and put the music together. And I encourage you to go to one of these or to your local orchestra. Go to a rehearsal if you can. It's really fascinating to see how things start to get put together. So what happens when something goes wrong? And something always will go wrong. Orchestras don't just get together for the first time and play a concert. They have to have rehearsals first. Unless it's a really good orchestra, then they can, and they know the music already, then they can kind of get together and just play the music. But that's not what we're talking about here. (laughs) We're talking about the average orchestra playing music for a concert. They're going to have to rehearse. And that's where the conductor comes in in level two as the teacher. At level two, the orchestra is not just playing the music like we were in level one, just start the tempo and go on. But in level two, we're actually preparing it for a concert. That means we've got to get things right. That means when things go wrong, we've got to fix them. The conductor will have only a few rehearsals to make sure everything is put together correctly. But do remember, looking ahead, that this is only level two. Music is not just about putting it together correctly. Think of level two like the orchestra's practice time. Just as a piano student or violin student or any student will practice to teach their hands how to play a song well, so a conductor practices the orchestra to teach them how to play the music well. When something goes wrong, it's the conductor's job to fix it, and many things can go wrong in rehearsal. Here are just a few possibilities. Maybe the flutes come in early. Maybe the trumpets will play out of tune. Maybe the percussion is too loud or the violins aren't playing together. There are a lot of things that could go wrong like this. And by wrong, I mean just not correct with the music. So how does a conductor fix things? Well, the conductor is the only person with the score. Now, the score is a book with everybody's parts in it. And this is why conductors are so crucial when an orchestra rehearses. A cellist will have the cello music in front of them but they can't see what the flutes or the violins should be playing. And the same thing back and forth. Violins don't know what the cello should be playing, or the trumpets, or the trombones, or the percussion. So with the score and a knowledge of how the music should go, the conductor teaches that music to the orchestra in rehearsals, so they're ready to play it together for the concert. Now, side note, rehearsals are very different depending on the music. If you have really easy music, or music that the orchestra's played a lot then the conductor doesn't have to do much teaching. Then the conductor can work almost entirely in level three that we'll talk about in a second. But if the music is really difficult or if the orchestra doesn't know it or if it's just totally unfamiliar, then the orchestra will need some 
practicing in this way. They'll take a lot of times to play through it. The conductor will make adjustments. And this is just part of the process of putting a concert together. And again, if you go to an open rehearsal, you'll be able to see that all the time. This is actually really important. Also, if you have a soloist, the soloist has to communicate with the orchestra. And the way they do that is through the conductor. The conductor leads the orchestra to accompany the soloist. Just like a pianist may accompany a singer, the conductor is accompanying the soloist with the orchestra. But now back to the blog post. So what do we do when the orchestra can now play all the music correctly? We've had rehearsals and everything's coming together. What happens next? Well, then we move to the final level of being a conductor. Level three, the artistic leader. Now, I said earlier, and I'll say it again, level three is the most important thing that a conductor does. This is where the conductor is an artist. Through hours of deep and intense study before the rehearsals and before the concert, a conductor will learn the music that they're playing and then make interpretive decisions about how it should be played to create the most sublime experience for the orchestra and the audience. Now, something that a lot of audience members, especially people who are new to classical music, don't know is that each piece has nearly infinite decisions that can be made about it. Even just a simple musical line has a lot of different ways that it can be played and a lot of different ways that what the composer has written can be interpreted by the performers. The composer will always give us the notes and the rhythms and they'll usually give us the dynamics or the changes in volume but many other little details and big details are left up to the performer. These can be things like the tempo or speed of the music and how it changes. How fast is fast? A lot of pieces just have the word allegro at the beginning of it, which actually means happy, or moderato, which means in a moderate speed, or very fast. So how fast is that? And when a composer writes faster, what does that mean? Another thing the conductor decides is the character of different sections and what the composer means and how the orchestra can play that character. So, for example, what does Fast with Fire mean, or Allegro con Brio in Beethoven's Fifth Symphony? Now, there's no metronome marking there. And what does the con Brio mean? What does the fire mean? How is the orchestra supposed to actually play that? Do they play it even faster than fast? Do they play all the notes maybe a little bit shorter? Do they play things heavy or do they play it angry? And how do you play it angry? These are a lot of the questions that conductors will ask before going to rehearsals. A conductor's also got to map out subtleties in volume across dozens of musicians, 80 plus musicians sometimes. In earlier music like Beethoven, the Composer would just write loud or forte for every single instrument, but that means different things for a violinist and a trumpet player. One trumpet player playing loud sounds very different than 12 violins playing loud. Later composers like Stravinsky and Debussy and basically anybody at the end of the Romantic period on, they will actually write different dynamics depending on the instrument because each instrument plays differently. That's part of the reason that you only need one trumpet, and you can easily hear that one trumpet over 12 violins, but one violin is not going to be able to compete with even one trumpet, let alone 12 trumpets. 
So when there are questions about this, that's just one example of some of the things that a conductor has to decide. Still talking about Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, at the beginning, the ba-ba-ba-bum, there are strings there, but there are also clarinets playing. Should we be able to hear the clarinets? Because usually we can't actually hear that there are any clarinets playing in that part. Some conductors may decide to make the clarinets louder so that we can actually hear them. And some will decide to let them sit in the background so that it's mostly strings that we're hearing. Could you hear the clarinets in that clip of Beethoven 5 that I played earlier? Here it is again. Listen closely to the second. Ba-ba-ba-bum. You can, you can actually hear them pretty clearly, which is quite rare for this moment, either in live or recording. It's, it's pretty rare to actually hear the clarinets there, but clearly this conductor wanted you to. Another example of what a conductor may decide on is the pacing of tension and release through a piece. If a composer writes, oh, move faster here and then slow down here, like how faster and how much slower down? In this phrase, when we get louder towards the end of it, and then we get quieter towards the end. How is the composer written that, and how does the conductor interpret it? And if the composer doesn't actually write any dynamics there, can we still put them in? These are a lot of good questions. So what's the loudest part of a 50-minute symphony, and what's the quietest? When we have these big pieces, how do you pace the entire thing? And you can see some of these decisions crop up between different recordings of music, especially like by Mahler. Depending on the Mahler symphony, some recordings can be almost 15 minutes different in length because of different tempos that they've taken and different ways that the conductor has paced that piece. So these are just a bunch, not some, a bunch of examples of decisions that the conductor has to make while preparing the piece. And this is all before rehearsal. Then, when we're in rehearsal, through words, through talking to the orchestra, and through the physical gestures of conducting, the conductor communicates their decisions about these things to the orchestra. In rehearsal, the conductor teaches this vision of music to the orchestra. And then on the podium, the conductor shows the orchestra subtleties of character and nuances of articulation and tempo changes, both during rehearsal and during a concert. Much like painting a picture, the conductor begins with a vision and then executes their craft, which is conducting, to make it real. The orchestra can play without a conductor, like we talked about in level one the time beater, and like we talked about in level two, the teacher. But every orchestra member will play it differently. And different sections of the orchestra may decide on things differently. So that's why it's really important that the conductor brings a unified vision to the music, again, by sitting down and studying the music and making these decisions. So in conclusion, while the conductor beats time, and also prepares the musicians to perform the concert, The most important thing they do is that they consider every aspect of the music and how to make it as inspiring and incredible as possible. And then they work with the orchestra to make that vision come alive. So now you know the three steps to being a conductor. So now you can be a conductor, right? Well, like I said at the beginning, it's a lot harder than that. We go to school and we practice it for a very long time. But hopefully these three levels will help you understand and appreciate a little bit more what goes into preparing a symphony concert. I encourage you to go to an open rehearsal with the Fort Collins Symphony or with your local orchestra. 
and watch the rehearsal and see how these three levels appear. Right at the beginning, you'll see the conductor give an upbeat, and that tells the orchestra when to start and how fast to go. And then, when things start going wrong, the conductor will stop, and they'll make adjustments. Like I said, adjustments. Level 2, teaching the music to the orchestra, maybe slowing it down, making changes. And all of this combines into Level 3, in which the conductor interprets the music. This is the hardest one to notice as an audience member because you don't see what's actually in the music and you may not actually know which decisions the conductor's making and which ones are in the music. But I encourage you to watch for the first two and see if you can notice some ways that different conductors will create different music with the same music. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Jeremy Cuevas, Assistant Conductor for the Fort Collins Symphony, and this is the Open Notes Podcast. If you enjoyed this guide, please join the other classical music lovers around the world and support the Fort Collins Symphony by making a donation through coloradogives.org. Your support helps us continue performing great music for Northern Colorado and the world through our virtual concerts and preparing the best guides in, bo- in this podcast for helping you get the most out of your classical music experiences. You can stay up to date with Fort Collins Symphony and the podcast by joining our email list, following us on Facebook and Instagram. And like I said, we also offer many of our live concerts virtually, both live streaming and in webcast replay, so you can join us for a concert no matter where you live. I'll link to our events page in the show notes so you can check out our upcoming live and virtual concerts, and there may have been an advertisement for a live or virtual concert at the beginning of this podcast, and perhaps at the end. Finally, let us know what you thought of this podcast and the blog post that goes with it. Send us a message on our contact page or on Facebook or Instagram. All the links that I just mentioned will be in the show notes of your podcast player. And you can find the full blog post, though this is the better version because it has some extra comments and explanations, at fcsymphony.org. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.